Sometimes the natural world is gross, sexy, horrifying, violent, and all those other words you look for in late night TV. This show is intended for mature audiences. So we're talking about penguins today. I am so excited that we're finally talking about a kind of archosaur. Yay! Um, is it like official? It's official. So archosaurs are basically anything that you think of as like a dinosaur and a dinosaur cousin. It's like birds, non-bird dinosaurs, crocs, and pterosaurs. Those are all archosaurs. So it's like dinosaurs and the thing that someone told you was a dinosaur, but is not a dinosaur most likely. I grew up, I, I'm old, so I grew up at a time when Jurassic Park was big because it just came out. I was just terrified of, you know, T-Rexes coming and eating me when I was trying to go to sleep at night. So I would stay up long, long hours watching my water glass on the nightstand for ripples. And anytime I thought I saw something, I would go and wake my mom up and be like, mom, the T-Rex is coming. (laughs) No, wake up. It's coming. I saw the water move. Oh, no. So I didn't have a good childhood history with dinosaurs. I mean, you did, however, grow up in a world with penguins, which is arguably more scary than T-Rexes. So Yeah. Yeah. One of the exotic vets that I knew, or zoo vets, she had no fear working on like an anesthetized lion, even though some other people were still a little concerned, or getting on the ground with a sable antelope, which are terrifying. But she was afraid of penguins and would stand on a bucket whenever she had to go do quick checkups on the penguins. (laughs) So that alone should show how terrifying penguins are. Scarier than a lion. Yeah, I'd say so in some ways. Yeah, I mean, they're flightless birds. Maybe they're just pissed off that they can't fly, so they have to take it out on the world at each other. But they can swim really well, and there's not a lot of birds that can really do that. Yeah, plus, haven't you heard, like, educators nowadays are like, they can fly, they just fly underwater. Oh my god, I hate that. Which is actually that, true no. because of the, the isn't like the it's flipper not, motion the same as like wing no, speed? No, it's, no. it's mm-hmm. not. <laughs> I didn't think so because I'm pretty sure you can't fly as you're rowing with your arms. No, but it's a different kind of motion. So when you swim, you're propelling it, you know, behind right. you. Yeah. But when you're flying, you're trying to, yes, you're trying to generate lift. See, I knew. they're just trying to make it easier for people to understand because they're like but wings therefore fly if we just use the word flipper it makes so much more sense (laughs) yeah but but their feathers are different their their feathers are tiny yeah not even meant for like flying it's fine i'm over it i know i'm right not all wings have to be for flying and that's fine yeah do you want to hear a joke about penguins? Yes. Do I ever? What do penguins wear on their heads? Feathers. No. Tiny hats that I will make for each and every one of them. Mm, maybe, <laughs> yes, but they wear ice caps. <laughs> Could you imagine a penguin with just a little block of ice on its head? So cute. Isn't there a Pokemon like that now? Uh, probably. There's the Pokemon for everything. So do you have your speedy summary of penguins? Um, I have a summary. Yeah? Yeah. I don't know that it's speedy. Yeah, give it your best shot. Yeah. This is the worst part of the podcast, you guys. It's the best part. Okay, you got it. <gasps> okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're already dead. Oh, no. <laughs> Dying to avoid this part of the podcast. Yes. Yeah, it's like, uh, it's all right. Just go on without me. I'll go to the hospital with all the COVID. 
better than reading about penguins. Oh, come on. You got it. <sighs> okay. I'm ready. Penguins are a family of flightless aquatic bird with between 17 to 20 species, depending on how you're counting. Although the Galapagos penguin literally skirts the line, penguins are found only in the southern hemisphere, so you'll never find a penguin in the Arctic or the North Pole. Sorry, Santa. In fact, most species inhabit temperate regions rather than the icy, freezing environments that they're usually shown in. Penguins are birds with upright posture and stiff wings that cannot be folded along their bodies. Instead of flying, penguins use their wings for swimming and tobogganing. They are powerful divers and use this skill while catching fish, squid, cuttlefish, and krill. To essentially waterproof their feathers, penguins coat their feathers in oil collected from their preen glands. Because they depend on all of their densely packed feathers to insulate them when they dive, penguins experience catastrophic molts in which they lose all of their feathers at once and regrow them over a period of two to three weeks. A layer of fat beneath their skin also helps to insulate them and give them buoyancy in the water. Penguins are highly social birds, forming large breeding colonies. Some species will even forage for food in groups and coordinate diving efforts during hunts. After choosing a partner through complex mating rituals and displays, penguins are overall considered monogamous, often returning to the same partner each year. Although they can lay two eggs, usually only a single chick survives. Penguin parents divide care of the chick, but incubation responsibility varies by species. In several species, one parent will incubate the egg for up to a month while its partner catches food, and then they'll switch roles. They have significant predators on land and in the water, including leopard seals, killer whales, stoats, sharks, rats, and humans. 12 out of 17 species are considered at least threatened due to destruction of breeding habitat, human disturbance, including selfie taking, egg and guano collection, oil spills, commercial fishing, and predation from invasive species. Because life wasn't already hard enough for these little guys. Boom. Yes. Woo. I'm out of breath now. You got it, though. I'm impressed. Thanks. Okay, so now that I have said penguins are monogamous, uh, we all know how monogamous birds are. Please shatter that image instantly. Really, any animal that you see listed as monogamous is about as monogamous as humans are. Yeah, well, I feel it's especially true of birds, be just because of how people associate monogamy with birds. There's always this image in people's heads of birds choosing a partner for life, like swans and penguins and uh, so many other birds. But we're finding more and more and more with almost every bird species that we have the money and time to really study. There's a lot of nest sharing going on. The uh, polycule bald eagles. <laughs> yes. Oh, they're so cute. I love them. Yeah, but you know, I feel like penguins, they, a lot of times they live in large colonies, right? Like mm -hmm. big family groups. Yeah. But do you want to know what a penguin's least favorite family member is? Do I? Me, when I show up to the family gathering just as a penguin, because I love them. <gasps> That's an image. But no, it's <laughs> Antarctica. Oh, boy. <laughs> Penguins, I will admit, are one of the species that I just didn't like for the longest time because they're so overhyped and I was so sick of hearing about them. But after meeting some penguins and working with some penguins tangentially, they are pretty cute sometimes. And one of the most endearing things about them is how easily distracted and how easily entertained they are. So anything novel is going to capture their attention and they're going to want to come see, take out some car keys and jangle them around oh yeah. yes yeah, blow some bubbles way. blow bubbles that's a great way yep. oh my god that is the cutest <laughs> some of the cutest things i've seen oh that and then little children in the mornings the, the one summer i was a camp counselor you would pass by the penguins and i'd always have my kids stop right before them like right before the penguins could see us and then have them speed walk 
past and the penguins would like zoom past trying to keep up with them and it was so cute no weeks i ended up as a camp counselor i would grab something from my bag and show them like how to play with the penguins yeah you can still do that and just kidnap some children to do it (laughs) oh boy yeah so (laughs) kidnapping so female emperor penguins one of the larger penguin species that lives down in antarctica uh, will tend to, quote, adopt unattended chicks for anywhere from just a few minutes to a few days. But if there are no stray chicks around for them to adopt, the females will actually fight each other and try and steal chicks from, like, existing parents. And then, unfortunately, after this process is said and done, the chick will usually die because oh. while they're fighting or wandering around or the adoptive parent gets bored... They'll just abandon the chick and then it'll end up dying, which is pretty sad. But as far as a causation for this, this has been observed on more than one account. So it's not just like a weird fluke thing. A study was actually done by Frederic Angelier. I hope I didn't butcher that too much. And it was published in the Journal of Experimental Biology in 2006. And he suspected hormones were the culprit of this behavior that he was observing. So emperor penguins are one of the few penguins that will nest in the middle of the winter. After the female penguin lays the egg, the male during this process is like off swimming and catching food and stuff. Then the male will come back. And then uh, as Lay mentioned in her summary, they'll actually switch roles and the uh, male penguin will then sit with the egg and the female will leave to go hunt. Um, and this process takes about two months that this female is out getting food. So talk about Oof. one of the longest, like, I'll be right back, honey, just to go get the oh, wow. groceries and stuff. So yeah, I didn't look yeah. at incubation for every single species, but I saw that it's up to 62 days. Mm-hmm. But emperor penguins is even longer. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Yeah. And I a guess lot that makes of, sense with their size. Yeah. And typically, though, by the time mom is back, a lot of the chicks will have started to hatch. So okay. they're not still eggs. Gotcha. But some of them are still in their eggs. Um, but in any case, most of the time with birds, when they have laid the egg and they're incubating the egg, there is a parenting hormone called prolactin that's produced. And it's normally only produced when the bird is in close contact with the egg. And then if they leave the egg for whatever reason, for a long period of time, let's say, that hormone will stop being produced. Um, but in emperor penguins, they keep up this production to maintain that maternal instinct while they are gone for so long. So basically, they don't come back and they forget about their chick and they forget that they have a job to do. <laughs> so to test their theory, they injected penguins who ended up losing their chicks with this chemical bromocryptine to suppress the prolactin production. And it actually resulted in these penguins kidnapping less often. So overall, the theory is that while these penguins are away, they're still producing that hormone that makes them want to parent. When they come back from their vacation, if there's no chick, they still have a strong maternal instinct. So they're like, I must mother a child. <laughs> but if there's no chick, they'll just steal another one to fulfill that void. Oh, wow. Yeah. Where is Chick Protective Services when you need it? <laughs> I was really afraid when you're talking about that study that they would inject penguins with the prolactin to see if the behavior increases. Yeah, nope. They wanted to try and suppress it. Better, better route to go, I think. Yep. (laughs) Good call. Um, But it is interesting that it wasn't completely suppressed because, of course, there are a lot of different hormones involved when 
animals uh, have offspring. Certainly. So yeah, yeah there are likely the only one. other things at play. Yeah. But that prolactin plays a significant role, it seems. Mm-hmm. I wonder if any of them would fall for like dummy chicks. Like you use dummy yeah. eggs for a lot of nesting birds when you're like, we right. don't want fertile eggs. So we're just going to swap these out for little yeah. play things that we made, little dummies. I wonder mm-hmm. if this was in a breeding program or in a zoo, something like that. If you were having this issue, if you could be like, here, have this stuffed toy thing. Yeah. And it would try to mother that or if it would still be like, this is does not smell enough like fish. This is not a penguin. Well, it's interesting that you brought that up. They are actually observed to adopt sometimes baby birds of other species. Oh, no. Um, one confused penguin, this was observed um, at a different time, was actually observed to kidnap the chick of a penguin eating bird called the skua. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's one of their biggest of um, bird enemies, so to speak. I'm yeah. imagining bird wars just by accident adopted the wrong bird. So I suppose it's possible. Oh, boy. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. At least in one occasion. I don't know if it happens a lot, but... In general, birds don't have a great sense of smell. So it's likely you could dupe that sense. But yeah, very interesting. See, I was just thinking, why don't they just adopt rocks and take care of rocks or something? But yeah, yeah fluffy, fluffy stuffed animal. Sounds good. Yeah. But that would be great for breeding pairs and breeding programs and zoos because getting chicks to hatch and then survive is extremely difficult. And a lot of penguins are endangered. So if you get a chick, you want it to hatch. And if you have these penguins who are having these aggressive tendencies towards other penguins and chicks get hurt in the process, of course, you want to try to prevent that in any way possible. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Let's start making baby penguins. Yes. making baby penguins was already happening (laughs) we're trying to help the penguins that have already been made (laughs) yes that is true they got the baby making process fake baby penguins for them but i suppose people already make stuffed animals it's fine yeah although i guess they do need to make more for the endangered ones so that is literally the point of that one yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Sand cob is a really good rescue that works with jackass penguins, also known as African penguins. They're a warm weather species that is not doing too well. A lot of it is because of negative human interference. I like selfie taking. They do a lot for raising these chicks. So I wonder if they ever use kind of like we have with wildlife rescue here, where if you have an unreleasable case that ends up becoming a good parent for orphans. I wonder if they ever use like a foster parent. Yeah, like a foster parent. It's interesting that you bring that up because a zoo in Indiana just had two baby penguin chicks hatched recently. And they had an egg that I believe was abandoned by its mother. And they let two male penguins who are a couple adopt the egg and they successfully hatched it and took care of it. So it does seem like penguins will adopt and foster chicks that aren't their own. Oh, so cute. At least in managed care settings. I don't know about the wild, but... Yeah. And I mean, overall, this process, as far as the kidnapping goes, it doesn't tend to get too aggressive unless there aren't enough to go around. Yeah, that would be the concern. Yeah. The only problem is, I guess, would depend on how old the chick is Mm -hmm. when it is stolen. If it's old enough to survive and I don't know, maybe just cuddle another adult penguin Mm -hmm. instead. So, yeah, I'm just thinking in like a... A zoo setting that have breeding programs often you don't have a ton of chicks mm-hmm. yeah you just have a few that you're lucky enough to hatch at a time so if that happened or if some of the chicks didn't survive and then you end up with those mothers you know who want a chick and then they're fighting over those remaining chicks not to say that kidnapping is good no no but it could end up having a 
biological benefit because if you have a lot of chicks, that takes a lot of resources for one set of parents to take care of. If you end up having others that take on that responsibility, it's easier to take care of, say, one chick instead of two. Right. Yeah. They're usually only one chick survives. So um, I believe emperor penguins are one of the species where sometimes two chicks will survive, but maybe they don't have the resources to take care of both. So that actually could be advantageous for them if the second chick could get adopted out. Forcibly adopted out. (laughs) (laughs) You don't need to. Share. Yeah. Could you imagine? (sighs) Yeah. I'm very upset you didn't just witness her hair flipping that she was doing right now. I'm just like oh, falling over the edge of sleep deprivation. It's fine. Just let me fall down this. You know what would help with that sleep deprivation or actually make it completely worse would be laughing gas, which turns out is a component in penguin poop. There were some researchers out trying to study the effects of different gases coming from penguins and their poop on uh, greenhouse gases. And then they realized after being around it for a really long time that, wow, we feel a little funny um, and we're getting headaches. Uh, One person was quoted to say that they went completely cuckoo (laughs) while nosing around in guano for several hours. The exact quote I found here by Bo Eberling, author of the study. And then find out afterwards that nitrous oxide, also known as laughing gas, is a fairly big component in penguin poop. So if you spend a lot of time studying penguin poop and around it, maybe it'd be good to bring something like a a gas mask or a filtration device, unless you just really want to have some fun that day in your research, you know? (laughs) Not recommended if you need to do any data crunching. No, but it would have helped through some Christmas event shifts that came on us at sudden notice. (laughs) So many baby penguins and I had it on my shoes the whole time. I never knew I was carrying around free laughing gas if I'd broken it down. Oh, man. Could you imagine someone making like a comic or something using a penguin like a... And then it's like a laughing gas sprayer. Could you imagine if the Batman villain, the Penguin, actually used just laughing gas on everyone? That was just his whole thing. Oh, no. Wow, that's a huge mistake. Maybe that's why he was crazy. He was just on laughing gas all the time. Could be. So he couldn't think straight. Yeah. We'll have to ask Danny DeVito. Also why he's such a terrible villain. (laughs) He's just misunderstood. You're right. That's just... I know very little about Batman things. It kind of depends on what iteration of Batman you're looking at. In some instances, he was just born deformed and somehow looked like a penguin. Other times, he was actually like born and raised by penguins. What? Yeah. 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 DC, this is... The kidnapping penguins took him instead. Yeah. <gasps> Who knew DC was actually based more in reality than I thought? I think it's really interesting that a lot of scientists have been paid to spend a lot of time around penguin butts. Like, not only this study, Alec, that you found about the nitrous oxide found within the gas, but while I was studying for this, I found that some scientists were actually paid to study projectile poop of penguins. And that (laughs) some penguins can poop up to four feet in, like, an arc away from their butt. Mm -hmm. And these scientists were like, whoa, that's weird. And their whole project was just to determine, okay, the pressure needed to expel the poop. So that's another Batman villain weapon now. (laughs) Yes. Oh, no. 
That's what I'm saying. Just oh, use no. penguin butts. I feel like our new version of the penguin is so much more interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Let's pitch it to DC. Ooh, yeah. And maybe like we'll totally flip it. And like he doesn't even have penguin-esque features. He just uses penguins as weapons. It's like a regular guy. Ooh, yeah. But maybe he'll be like ostrich-esque. Like he's really tall and has a really skinny neck. No, but no, no. You got to stay like in the penguin a- archetype. Oh, okay. Don't go too far. Let's not get carried away. Okay, okay. I mean, penguins are bad enough. But Rockhopper Penguin. <gasps> yeah. You could give him Rockhopper Penguin hair. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, penguins, there's got to be some part of them that is very, very sadistic because the penguins that I have been around, they will actually run their beaks along your legs searching for the softest spot and they will remember that spot. So when your back is turned and you're not paying attention, they come back and grab that spot and bite. And they don't look like they would hurt that much. But remember, their beaks are used to catch fish. So they have to be strong and sharp. And they will grab your skin and bite really hard and twist. And that's what gets you. What did you bring for fun fact? Penguin prostitution. Yay. Oh, boy. So apparently some species of penguins have been observed engaging in prostitution or transactional sex. Now, prostitution isn't often seen in animals. It has been observed in chimpanzees and capuchin monkeys, but also penguins for some bizarre reason. Now, this was first observed in 1998 by Fiona Hunter, who was a researcher at the University of Cambridge, and a lot of species of penguins build rock nests, so they need to collect rocks and pebbles. But for various reasons, sometimes those rocks and pebbles are a scarcer resource than you might think, whether it's due to competition with other females or habitat loss, flooding, what have you. Sometimes it can be tough to find enough rocks and pebbles to build your nest. So some females have actually been seen approaching the male penguins who don't have partners. This was observed specifically by Fiona Hunter in Adelie penguins, I believe. But they would go to the outskirts of the flock and find an unattached, inexperienced male and perform mating behaviors toward them. Kind of, they describe it as like flirting. They'll bow and kind of indicate that they are willing to mate and have sex And sometimes it actually happens, but sometimes apparently because the males are inexperienced, they sometimes miss. So the sex may or may not happen. But after this occurs or doesn't, the females will steal a rock from this male and bring it back to their nest. Now, because these males don't have mates, they will collect rocks. And sometimes they have these large piles of rocks also themselves with nothing to do. So these females will steal their rocks. But some females will just kind of flirt and do those behaviors and then snag a rock and run away. One female was observed by researcher Dr. Lloyd Spencer Davis. She snagged 62 rocks in an hour for her nest, which is my hero. Very impressive. Yes. So this is a way for them to get enough rocks to build their nest, to bring back to their mate. And there is a lot of different ideas about whether this is true prostitution and what is happening here. One of the thoughts behind it is maybe the males just mistook the behavior. Um, Maybe the female was bowing to bend over and grab a rock and not actually soliciting sex from the male. And the male got confused and thought she wanted sex. And so it's not actual prostitution. It's just an accident. So that's one theory. This behavior could also play a role in uh, the mate choice process with penguins. Uh, As I mentioned, there are some pretty complex mating rituals and displays that happen with penguins. And 
if the female penguin's mate dies, this could be a way for her to have a backup mate or an alternate mate if she needs one. I grew up watching The Pebble and the Penguin, The Penguin and the Pebble. What's that movie? You were watching penguin prostitution movies as a child? No, there's an adorable animated movie. I'm old. You guys apparently don't remember it because it isn't a Disney movie. Whoa. (laughs) If it wasn't PBS with like Cyber Chase, I very likely did not see it. Yes, The Pebble and the Penguin. Because a lot of people know the story about how penguins will find the perfect pebble to present to their mate and they have a penguin proposal. And this animated movie is all about like getting this pebble so that he can give it to the female penguin that he likes. So yeah, a lot of people have that image in their heads of... You know, the pebble proposal with penguins and finding their one true mate. You know what they probably say when they propose with that pebble? Don't worry. Hey, I'm going to rock your world. (laughs) And then ditch you because I'm just after your rocks. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so the pebbles are perhaps less magical than stories would say. I love how clever that is, though, of the females figuring out how to get more rocks. I know. It's ingenious. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times they aren't actually going through with the act of sex. They're just stealing the rocks. I wonder what they're thinking if they're just going to collect a rock and then a male penguin tries to have sex with her. And she's probably just like, whoa, hey, I'm just here for this rock. Yeah. I don't know if it's an an accidental behavior like that. I mean, they do have a lot of these males have, like I said, large piles of rocks and pebbles that they can't use. So the females could be like, well, there are all these perfectly good rocks here. Don't mind if I do. And then the males are like, yes, now's my chance. It's interesting that these are like a lot of times you said more of the fringe male penguins Mm -hmm. or the ones who are less experienced that still manage to have a pretty substantial rock collection. Yeah, well, I mean, they collect the rocks, but they have no mate to build a nest. Sure. So that's why they just have these rocks sitting around. But it is interesting that it seems to happen with these males and not just any male to take the rocks that they have. Mm -hmm. So there does seem to be some intention behind it. Who knows if it's actual prostitution? That could just be an anthropomorphized interpretation. But there seems to be something going on, at least in that regard. And penguins are not as monogamous as we think. Mating outside of their pair does occur. But often when that happens, the males don't take rocks from females. It only goes one way. So that is something that has made researchers think that maybe this is actual transactional sex. I mean, having multiple partners would definitely benefit them because they're getting a wider variety of genetic diversity potentially for their chicks. So that could be, but yeah, definitely having the female only taking the rocks is an interesting Mm -hmm. twist to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because yeah, they will have sex outside of their pair, but the males don't steal rocks the way females do. But not only for the genetic diversity, but also if the male penguin of the pair dies, then she has a backup mate to help her take care of the egg and chick or whatever stage of life it's in. So it's really smart if that is part of it, but we don't really know. It's not very well researched. And a lot of people think this is a more sensationalized, anthropomorphized view of this behavior. But it is very interesting to try to think through the motivations and, you know, the advantages of performing these behaviors. So yeah, they're not as monogamous and mated for life as one might think. And it probably benefits them that they don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, also interesting to note that it doesn't happen in same-sex penguin relations. So when penguins will go outside of their pair with the same sex, which happens all the time for males and females, they don't steal pet rocks from each other in those instances. 
You know where penguins might go to meet mates, though, and maybe mix and mingle. I mean, if they don't want their rock stolen, apparently grinder is the option. Oh, man. No, they go to the snowball. <laughs> it's a lot more wholesome. <laughs> yeah. You really just... Man, it's just asynchronous with what we're talking about. You know how wholesome your jokes are because it's based more on the perception that people have of penguins. Uh, And we're just talking actual dirty, depraved penguins. Are you saying that I am too elementary and wholesome? Not at all. I'm saying the perception of penguins is. But speaking of depraved penguins. For our What the Fuck Wildlife story for our segment this week. We are going to talk about Dr. Levick's notes on Adelie penguins that he actually did not publish. And later on, people found them and published them. Was it posthumously? I guess it was like a hundred years later, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd say he's dead. So if you have been absolutely horrified about penguins so far, this guy saw penguins doing things, wrote it down, and then just told no one. So Dr. George Murray Levick was a surgeon and an officer on a British Antarctic expedition in 1910, and it gave him a lot of opportunities to study Adelie penguins while he was on the expedition. And while he was there, he noticed a group of rogue males that he termed the hooligan cocks, which is now what I'm going to be calling a lot of people. Similar to Lay's fun fact about the young experienced males getting their rock stolen. Can I just interject and say that there is a joke somewhere in here about the inexperienced males getting their rocks off or something? (laughs) Oh. Oh, man. It's there somewhere. I think that's where it is. It's right there. Yeah, nope, you found it. Like, not that hard to locate. Unlike some things for those male penguins, apparently. Those are those same kind of males, but doing all sorts of horrifying things. There were some that were finding frozen corpses of other Adelie penguins and mating with them. Finding chicks that would wander away from the rest of the group and murdering them. They did begin to fight amongst themselves eventually as well. I think it should be said, too, that this guy, Derlevic, he made a note to say that this was too scary to publish. Yeah, too depraved to publish. The world cannot know the truth about penguins. Yeah. Which is really terrible for research. Yeah. Yeah. Whether you get the results you want or not, you need to be upfront about them. Mm Mm-hmm. I did find an exact quote here. A penguin was actually engaged in sodomy upon the body of a dead white-throated bird of its own species. The act occurred a full minute, the position taken up by the cock differing in no respect from that of ordinary copulation, and the whole act was gone through down to the final depression of the cloaca. So he took very detailed notes. And still was like, you know what? I'm not going to not gonna share these. I'm just going to take these very detailed notes. That's dedication to your work, though. Yeah. Being so horrified by your own research and what you're discovering, but still observing and recording and documenting in extreme detail for the sake of science. So, I mean, I admire that dedication. At the very end of him describing all of the necrophilia and murder and more child snatching, he concludes it with, there seems to be no crime too low for these penguins. (laughs) (laughs) Which is quite a lot of anthropomorphization for someone who has been taking (laughs) very detailed notes about this. So there was kind of a tangentially follow-up study. The question in their research was, 
Well, they're definitely mating with these frozen corpses. And we know that sometimes penguins, if they're really desperate, will eat penguins. Were they mating with them and then making them into a snack afterwards? (laughs) How convenient. In their study, they found evidence of necrophilia, of them mating with the frozen corpses. They found evidence of necrophagy, them eating frozen corpses, but they didn't find any evidence of, yes, they are definitely fucking and then feeding. So there's a line. Even penguins have their line. <laughs> well, they don't know for sure, though, because it mm, was... Small sample size. Fairly small group that they were looking at here. So it was inconclusive. It could happen. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. <laughs> Um, where is the line for the hooligan cocks? <laughs> still in Adelie penguins, too? Yes, this is still in Adelie penguins, which are very small and adorable. They are. They're the ones that, like, Naruto run, right? Yeah. Yeah. Penguins, absolutely horrifyingly interesting group of animals. Yep, bottom line, they will fuck anything. A lot of which are endangered and need our help. Oh, yeah. Especially with climate change and the disappearing of a lot of their homeland. A lot of these penguins make their nests on beaches where people will go to relax and vacation. So they're losing some of their nesting sites. And I know I have mentioned it a few times, but this really gets under my skin. South African penguins in particular are suffering because people will walk up to them and take selfies with them. And if that happens, they will abandon their nests and chicks along with it. They will just vacate the area. So that selfie taking in particular has been very detrimental to South African penguins and I'm sure other penguin species. Also something I like to highlight when it comes to penguins is something that Leigh also mentioned that penguins are found in the southern hemisphere. They are not an arctic species. So polar bears and penguins actually are not really Never. neighbors. Never seen ever. together. Yeah, so... Except in zoos. Yep. That aren't laid out by geographic location. Yep. (laughs) Which are quite often a place that you can go visit to help support a lot of these programs that help for repopulating some endangered species of penguins. Or sometimes even their keepers will take their vacation time to go and help rescue operations out where the animals are native to. So if you do want to see penguins and bears near each other, you could visit your local zoo that is participating in both repopulation programs as well as sends out their own animal care specialist to go help wildlife rehabilitators as well where these animals are native to. Yeah, the best zoos have AZA accreditation, which is the Association of Zoos and Aquariums, and it's a very stringent accreditation process, um, often only Big zoos with a lot of resources can achieve this accreditation, but they're excellent zoos. And part of this accreditation is that they have to give to conservation efforts. So those AZA accredited zoos that have penguin species will often give to the conservation efforts related to penguins or those species. So uh, SANCOB is a big organization that zoos support um, and they'll send their keepers to or resources to. But also a lot of zoos just have these breeding programs for endangered penguins, um, like the Georgia Aquarium, Bush Gardens, SeaWorld. And they work together to try to make sure there's solid genetic diversity amongst these breeding programs. Well, hopefully there will be many, many baby penguin chicks in the future for penguin moms to adopt. Or, yeah. Penguin moms, penguin, penguin dads. dads. Hopefully they are safe from the hooligan cocks <laughs> wherever they are, the poor little chicks. Yes. Cute 
but horrifying. Well, thanks for joining us for this episode. Next month's episode is going to be about echidnas. My favorite animal. A different egg-laying animal.